Welcome to the next episode of the Mindful You podcast. As we explore the paths that various people have taken and where various people are on that path in the direction of this land called mindfulness, and today's guest, J.J. D. Germanico, is going to share with us her path. And wow, it was just, she has the ability, J.J. has the ability to have, have one foot in that mindfulness experience and then is able to articulate her thoughts to support other people in being able to have a greater realization of, of that space of consciousness that we're calling mindfulness. It was just captivating. Tears to my eyes. Just how wonderful it is to be able to have J.J., DeGeronimo as a guest on the Mindful You podcast. So please welcome with open hearts, JJ. JJ, DeGeronimo, welcome to the Mindful You podcast. Hello, Ellen. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, thank you very much. I'm thrilled to have you here. Especially, I I, I love the fact when I was reading, JJ, your, your bio, was lots of mindfulness words appeared. Mindfulness this and this. And so you definitely have been swimming in the ocean of mindfulness. So let me just backtrack a little bit and find out, well, when did you first dip into the ocean? What what uh, what what happened? What age? What did any event occur that really said, whoa, what's uh, what's going on here? So take me back in in, in JJ time. Well, I would say it mostly all happened around 2016. It was sort of a tower moment uh, for me. I had a lot of things that were just crumbling around me. And I ended up in a therapist's office saying, you know, I don't have the joy I expected. I'm overworked. I have all these wonderful awards and accolades, but I'm not really connecting with them. I don't really experience the joy I was expecting. And I had a session with her and she told me at the end that I needed to go to mindfulness training. And I thought it was ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, this is serious. Like I'm at a point now in my life where I'm questioning everything and mindfulness training. What is that? And why would I do that? That sounds so puffy and out there. And I really need real answers. Absolutely. Practical things. Yes. And I was such a, a plus personality. I worked so much in my masculine energy. I was such a deliverer. I worked in high tech most of my career in Silicon Valley, and I needed action, like real action steps. And to me, that sounded like something you do when you have nothing else to do. That's funny. True, though. 
True. My, mindfulness is abstract, you know, and doing push-ups is real. So what do I want to do push-ups. I don't want to do abstract stuff. This is serious we're talking about here now. It's my life. That's exactly right. So when I stopped, visited her for the third time, she basically said, do not come back unless you go to mindfulness class. So Sunday at noon, I'm trucking in with my coffee and my notebook to this mindfulness thing. I'm at a table with people, like eight to 10 people. It was based on John Kabat-Zinn's training. And uh, I kept opening my notebook and taking notes. And at the break, the teacher came over to me and said, um, what what is the notebook for? And I'm like, kind of looked at her like, Court. I'm like, well, in case I have a good thought. She's like, uh, next time you come, can you leave your notebook in the car? And my answer was, hell no. <laughs> I have good thoughts when I'm quiet, so I need my notebook. That's right. You're right. Absolutely. Yeah. So how did the battle go between the notebook and the teacher? So I brought the notebook back in the Aha, There you go. That's right. It's good. Good for you. You stand up. I like that. And uh, at the break, she asked me to put the notebook like closer to the door. And I just was like, oh, this is so annoying. Like I'm doing this class. But as you know, I wasn't doing the class because I was in my head. So I wasn't doing the class. And by the third class, I left my notebook in the car. Well, all right. What was that must have been a, a breakthrough moment? Uh, no, it was painful. It was painful yep. because I was getting all these thoughts and then I'm like, should I put it in my phone? She doesn't want me to touch my phone. I would say out of the eight week class, it took me well into the fourth class that I could actually even participate in the activities. I was so tightly wound. <laughs> I was such a producer. I pride myself on being producer that it was it was tough to even be in the class. What a wonderful experience. It was the greatest thing that ever happened to me, honestly, because there were people in my class that had come back for the second time or the third time. She had an open door policy. Once you went through the class one time, you could come back again, get refreshers. So I think I was absolutely annoyingly, uh, not only am I annoying everyone in the class, I was a complete distraction. And I feel so sorry for those people now because- I could have benefited so much from being willing and open to being part of the classroom in the beginning, but there was no disguising my need for the class. It just took me a long time to figure out why I was there. Well, no, absolutely. You know, like the, the ego is taking a stand and, and I'll and I'm not going to surrender my position. I'm not going to surrender my thoughts, my ideas, my beliefs about what is real and what is not real. What do you mean letting go? So it sounds like from the first class to the fourth class, JJ was letting go, letting go, letting go, letting go, letting go. And you were always holding on, creating, holding on, creating, holding on, creating, producing, producing, producing. I don't let go. I I build. I don't let go. I don't create emptiness. I create fullness, baby. Um, and so what was it like to create emptiness? Well, it took some time, I won't deny, but I will say that the thing that mindfulness training has provided me is the ability to have space between my thoughts. <laughs> you bet. 
You, boy, boy, just, just go say that again. Tell the universe twice. Shoot, shoot that one out there twice, JJ. Yes. That's the big thing that me. you realized. Is that my thoughts are not me. My thoughts are only a part of me. Right. It's, 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 it's like uh, you got the salad uh, and then you got the little things on top of the salad. Um, and uh, thoughts are, uh, well, I got a better, the one that Eckhart Tolle talks about. He says the thoughts are the ripples on the ocean. Just little tiny ripples that, that fade away. Uh, but you have the ocean. And mindfulness is the realization that underneath those ripples of thought, there's an ocean. Uh, uh, and boy, to have that realization, JJ, is, exa- is, is exactly what I see. It's exactly what, that's what the pause is about. The pause is about, well, I, I can't manage the thoughts that I think. That's real, real woo-woo stuff. But I can manage the thoughts that I speak. How can and I that do you that? Hold on to. Yeah, the thoughts you hold on to, the thoughts you pay attention to, the thoughts you leverage. It, it was such a profound shift that happened over a period of time. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like, even once I moved through the class, it still took me a while to just, I think it took me all eight classes to just really realize what mindfulness was. Just that space, that ability to just let thoughts pass through without grabbing onto any one of them. Like what a profound learning especially for a soul that has been in the thoughts as the life for decades. And so is 99% of the population on the planet earth. Yeah. So it's, we're not alone. (laughs) We are, we are all immersed in a sea of thoughts. And, 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 and so how do you escape from those sea of thoughts? So, Next question. How did you escape from your sea of thoughts inside your head, JJ? Well, I'll just be honest. There's no escaping per se. The thoughts are always there. They're always there. It's like, and I think this was a huge lesson for me is, you know, I had tried to mindful, I've tried to meditate decade before this. So I tried all the apps, but the reality is, is like, until you learn mindfulness, at least in my account, you can't really meditate and you can't just jump into meditation without understanding mindfulness. I think mindfulness is precursor to meditation for me. And so I always have thoughts. Thoughts are there all day, all night. But the idea of mindfulness gives me the ability to sit back and just watch. Yep. There's the ticker tape in in Times Square. When you watch the ticker tape go across the buildings, it's like the thoughts inside your head all day long. Ticker tape, ticker tape, ticker tape, ticker tape. Sequential, no, no, no breaks at all between the. You don't know when a thought starts and another thought ends. It's continue with ticker tape. And Toll and Deepak Chopra were saying sixty-five to eighty thousand thoughts a day pass through the old ticker tape, and then you ask yourself, well, how many of those do you remember? You don't remember any of them. They fade away. That's that's the dream of thought. But, but but mindfulness is different. How is mindfulness different, JJ, than that stream of thoughts? I mean, for me, mindfulness is the tool. It's the tool that I leverage to not hang on like a monkey to those 
stories. It gives me the ability to create space and separation. It allows me to decide if I even want to listen to those thoughts, which is something that I've had to teach myself. Like I have to hold my hand up and say things out loud, like, thank you so much. Appreciate it. You know, that ego conversation you're constantly having of why it's not going to work, why you're not the person, how you're not prepared. I mean, it's just an, just a parade of thoughts that often are not supportive to what you want to lean into. And so I feel like for me, it's given me the opportunity to not only recognize that my thoughts are not all of me, but also the space to decide which thoughts I want to explore and which ones I want to let go of. So to recognize that you're thinking, is that what you're saying? I'm I recognize that right now, I'm thinking. I am recognizing that there are thoughts in front of me right now. They're thoughts. I don't know what they are, but they're thoughts right there. So you got that recognition. That was the first thing you said. Then in order to recognize something, then there has to be what? There has to be that space between the observer and what's being recognized. And so you said you said you need to recognize that there's a space between you and the thoughts that you're thinking. Uh, and that is... That's the definition of mindfulness, uh, to be able to recognize that there's a space between you and the thoughts. And, and what's the value? Question, next question, JJ. So so what's the value of creating a space? What, 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 so what? I created a space. So what? I'm, I, I want things. I don't want empty things. I want things in my life. That will make me feel better. So, it's so absolutely magical. Space. Yeah, the, ma magical? the space is the magic. The space is the magic. Hmm. Because when you have space, you have freedom. Really? I like freedom. No doubt about freedom. But how does, what is space, by the way? And why does it give me freedom? Where is this space you're talking about? It is, it is, it is the magic of life because it gives you space between your thoughts. You are not your thoughts. You don't have to do anything based on your thoughts. And it gives you emotional freedom to not attach any emotion to any thoughts. And so you can just be in the moment without any emotion as an observer of what is happening, not only inside you, but outside of you. Are you saying that I could be watching this movie of life, like I'm in a movie theater and I'm watching this movie in front of me, eating my popcorn. I can watch the, the, the display of actions and characters that are going by and events and action things and all the things that happen, like the media, I and mean, you know, watch the media. And I can keep my body and energy and emotions to a sort of stable while I'm watching these, these what people re regard as horrendous, chaotic things, and I can keep my body relaxed. Is that what you're saying? That's what happens for me. Uh, sounds like pretty good stuff. Oh, it's so amazing because you really start to recognize that what happens inside of you is actually happening outside of you. And so if you can keep a calmer state, if you can not be a roller coaster with your emotions, your outside starts to reflect your inside. And I really pair that with 
working on my energy or my frequency. So how I show up in life, what are the things that I'm focused on? What are the things I'm paying attention to? What are the things I'm reading and listening to? Because I have learned that if you can raise your energy along with being mindful, you can attract like energy. Raise my energy. I'm practicing mindfulness. And there's something else I could do in addition to the stillness and mindfulness thing, in order to raise my vibration level, uh, to raise my vibration level so that I move from a a dull kind of dead vibration to a more invigorating, joyful life, joyful, blissful, loving vibration. So it's like a, a scale. So what are a couple of these little tricks you got to raise my energy? Well, for me, mindfulness was the cornerstone of just even recognizing that I have these thoughts that what are not very positive. Most of the time I beat the stink out of myself, but I would say there's really comes down to three things for me to raise my energy is one. But go slow now. People are writing things down now. They're writing things down. They're putting a one on their piece of paper and they're putting a two and a three. Okay. Number one. So number one is to mind my thoughts. Right. So number one, now that I have mindfulness in my life, I can pay attention to my thoughts. Are they mostly positive or are they mostly negative? And I can just pay attention. I'm just aware of them. Two, mind how I talk about other people or other things. Now, these are not necessarily things that come out of your mouth, but they're things that you're chewing on. They're things that you're saying. You know, if somebody comes into your house or into the workplace, like, are you having a thought about them and is it positive or negative and so the first kind of it could be internal thoughts inside your head like a little voice that talks to you yes and i realized that as a participant in the world watching tv for a long time i had a lot of judgment whether i said it out loud or not i was judging 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 all the time that was part of my awareness once i became mindful is that my mind not only beats me up all the time but it's very judgy And so I chose to say, you know what, I'm not going to live my life being judgy or beating myself up. I'm going to live my life in the positive energy. And I have to make mindful decisions to focus on the positive. And so I had to really create charts for myself as I was shifting my energy, which was the result of becoming mindful. I was now able to be aware of, am I more positive? Or am I more negative? Uh, Do I live in love and light? Or do I live in worry and anxiety? And so the mindfulness for me was that cornerstone that allowed me to start that shift. Well, you're good. I tell you, it's very, very clear. Very, very clear. To be able to articulate the abstractions that you're articulating in a way that is clear, that's a gift. So do you definitely have a a gift in expressing the, the beauty of the light? Uh, and now I also want to make sure I, I know number three on that list. Yeah. So that is, you know, one and two is like really getting amount uh, listening to yourself and shifting and how I shifted. And I just want to give you the solution to one and two, and then I'll go on to three, but one and two, I had to really create a practice of gratitude. And this is something that, you know, you've read a lot about, I have, but it's hard to just be grateful if you're not mindful, because if you're just grateful, like, oh, I love this, this is great, but it's not really shifting from within, meaning that you really believe that you have the gratitude. So I'm grateful for 
my bed. I'm grateful for socks. I'm grateful for gas in my tank, or I'm grateful that I have the ability to have a conversation with this person. Like the mindfulness gets you to be able to shift where you focus your energy within and to do, to shift that energy. Gratitude was the bridge that got me from fear, negativity, anxiety, to love, light, appreciation. I'm, I'm, I'm taking my notes just like you did in your mindfulness class. So that's really the, that's been so instrumental for me. That has changed my life in so many ways because it has given me more positivity on the inside. And then I've had to pair that with what I do on the outside. So what do I watch? What do I read? What do I eat? And that third grouping is what I do on the outside of me. Like, what am I doing outside of me? And now, you know, I'm really, really mindful of what I'm watching, what I'm reading, what I'm eating, even the conversations I'm in with my friends. Like, we're all going to have bad days, but I'm not spending 45 minutes talking about it. I've sort of conditioned myself that I can express things that are not going well in three to four minutes, and then I'm going to move on. Because we can't, we're humans. We still have things that happen that we need to express. But I really move through my day with full appreciation for what I get to experience. And now that I'm mindful, I can live in the present moment, which was never the case before that practice. Yep. (laughs) The idea of, of the... Uh, mind my thoughts. And, and when I wrote it down, I was realizing that uh, you probably were spelling it M-I-N-D. And I said, well, that's probably what J.J. means. But also I spelled it M-I-N-E, mine, meaning that you're looking for the gold. Because one of the things about thoughts that I noticed is that there are thoughts that build light and love. And there's thoughts that build hatred and separation. So if you can mind your thoughts for the gold, uh, you you, can, you don't have to spend time with the coal. You can just go for the gold. Uh, and, and and you have the power to do that, but you have to be awake. You have to you have to be in the driver's seat of your thoughts uh, in order to direct the thoughts. And my observation is the ego is not awake. Uh, the ego is in a state of a dream state of consciousness. Uh, and and so how do you wake up from the dream? Uh, but you don't even know you're dreaming. So just for a, how do you wake up from the dream, but you don't know you're dreaming? Well, in my life, I've had really significant guides, people that kind of come into my life at times that kind of push me right when I should be going left, or I think I want to go left. And that therapist for me was a guide. So I did not know I was in the dream state. I did not know I was living in the ego energy. Uh, until Jill, the therapist said, you must go to this if you ever want to come back. And so I think for most of us, we have something that happens in our life that gives us the opportunity to walk through that door. Now, I could have left after three classes with my notebook in hand, but something made me stay. And I think for many of us, we get guides and whispers in times when we are expecting it or not expecting it, it, they come to us and we get to choose whether or not we want to lean into those. I remember a 
uh, alchemy class at Santa Cruz University in California, taught by a Jungian psychotherapist. And he showed a picture of the alchemical vessel. It looks like a tube, and then it's a big fat bottom, uh, like a, a, a beaker. And it, it showed you a bird inside the beaker. And there was water in the beaker. There was fire underneath the beaker. It was heating up. And the bird was like a pelican. And the beak was piercing the belly of itself. And blood was dripping out of that alchemical vessel of transformation. And the interpretation was that that journey starts with a self-inflicted wound. I can tell you, JJ, you need it. Uh, but, you know, it, until you feel the pain, the the the, the suffering, uh, and acknowledge it, uh, you you really don't wake up and say, I got to do something. Uh, and, and you have shared with us today just wonderful uh, experiences of 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 waking up and and what i like about what you're saying is that you have a very clear way of saying it very practical and in my experience of it 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 it, it resonates to me it's a, i like the vibration of it the the vibration the energy level the the the, the glow of light that that you have and the way you radiate the light out through your verbal speech, through your radiance, out, out into the world. And I, I know that you you get and you use a term called light workers. Uh, so I'd like just to shift a little bit. And I know you have a meeting to go to, and I'm not sure of the time. It's how much time do we have left? I'm I'm, I'm losing my time. Two minutes. Twenty. Twenty minutes. Okay, good, good. Thank you very much. Okay, I get to I get I get lost in the. In, in the joy of meeting you, that I sort of lose time, and thank God there's someone with a watch. All right, uh, and and so the uh, it's just really a, a light worker. You, you, you what is a light worker, uh, and we'll we'll take it from there. Well, as I mentioned before, when you have you have the ability to do this. Anybody listening has the ability to do this. Some of you might not need to get knocked upside the head like I did. Uh, hopefully you take it on the whisper well before it happens. But if you do choose to go down the mindfulness path and you have the ability to create that space and then you take it to the next level where then you get to choose how you're going to move through life. Are you going to stay in the fear, anxiety, and worry, or are you going to shift the light love? If you choose to shift the light and love that starts from within, you can start to not only illuminate your being because it allows you to really start to not only move into the gratitude space, but work through the stories that harness so much negativity. And these could start back, you know, as you're two, four, six, eight. I worked with so many light workers, energy practitioners, and healers to dig through my vessel because I wanted to create a vessel that we call the human body. I wanted to illuminate it. I wanted to get out all the dark energy that was maybe buried in a corner or buried from a story from something that happened as a child. I wanted to work through as much of those stories and darkness as I could so I could be as light as possible for the work that I do with women. And through that work, I was able not only to illuminate myself, but my path of what 
I should be working on. And now I'm able to help others do the same. And I think for many of us, we all have the ability to illuminate our path forward, but oftentimes we have to shift out of that negative energy into the light. And it takes very specific steps that any of us can do, which is a lot of what I've included in my third book, Seeking, because I find that there are ways, they're actually perfectly orchestrated for us as our soul is working through the evolution of being a human and the lessons we're here to learn. Let's uh, take a little chapters in that seeking, the seeking book. And, uh, and I imagine it correlates with our conversation today. So share with us some of the uh, key points that show us the book. Absolutely. Let me see the book. All right. Seeking. Very nice. Yeah. So Seeking is 74 key findings to raise your energy, sidestep your self-doubt, and align with your life's work. And the 74 key four, the 74 key findings are spread out through the book. And what I like to do is just open it up and get to one key finding. Ah, so the key finding is number 28. A solo trip, a solo trip can provide the dedicated time for you to explore inside and out. So a solo trip for me was a big deal because when I started doing all this work, I realized that I could no longer show up in the world like I had in the past, that I was being pulled outside of my day job to do other work. And I was so uncertain about myself and the whispers I was receiving, like you need to write another book and do more work with women, that I was in denial. And so I took a solo trip to Sedona because I felt like it was a place I could meet with many people to help me understand the messages I was receiving. Well, let's go to Sedona. What was your experience at Sedona like? Oh, it was wonderful because it was really the first time as a mother and as a wife that I traveled by myself for pleasure. Like I never did that. Once I didn't get married till I was 30 and I traveled all the time by myself. But then once I had kids and a husband, I just felt guilty all the time. So I never did it. And for me, this yearning to understand who I was and why I'm on the planet brought me to Sedona. And I met with some amazing energy practitioners, but I specifically worked with an angel reader for five hours. And she told me that my work was going to have a lot to do with bringing people closer to God, which at the time I denied because I was working in corporate America and I couldn't even think the word God, let alone talk about it or say something. But now it's been a decade. And I feel like a lot of the work that I do now is to remember, remind people that they are a part of God and that we all have light from the universe within us that is here to connect and guide and share love. Absolutely. Uh, so light worker is, if I understand, there's, uh, I, I was listening to Alan Cohen uh, and it, it last weekend I did the uh, Sisters of Angel seminar in Sedona and uh, so for you talking about Sedona it has a deep feeling inside of me uh, and uh, transformation 
Sedona. Uh, it, it, there's something there uh, that uh, you're in the mindfulness business. Just go there and hang out for a while. Uh, anywhere. <laughs> anywhere you want to hang out. Because uh, the vibration is different. What did you notice about the vibrations in Sedona? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just visualizing the red rock and just the quietness at times. There's just the quietness is what I really remember. It's just... And then if you get into the town or meet with different light workers, I mean, everyone's vibrating at a higher level. They've done the internal work. And so the whole energy of the place, in fact, some of the light workers and energy practitioners can even live there because the energy is so intense. But I would say to your point, you know, it is worth just hanging out there. Yeah, I, I absolutely, absolutely. Well, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm full of your love. Uh, and uh, it was a pleasure and a joy uh, to have an opportunity to experience the to, to experience uh, JJ's light. Very very sweet. And I'll be I'll definitely will will purchase the book. And I because it's it's exactly where you are. Uh, and any any way we can help folks to support folks uh, to to be able to. We come to observe the thoughts that you see and not be seduced by the thoughts uh, and be able to smile and laugh and wave at them all. I, I did a, I, I had a Buddhist monk. He, he said, bless all the thoughts and let them go. Bless them all. Just let them go. And that sort of frees you of, of there's a fluidity to that rather than sticking, sticking, sticking. No, fluidity, fluidity, fluidity. And to me, space is fluidity, uh, and it, it, it aerates the soil. Uh, it aerates the being. It aerates. It allows. It allows a an openings, little holes opening up into the fabric of your ego. And 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 it, it, it flow goes this way, and then you realize, hey, the flow goes this way, uh, and and so you can go both ways. And so I, I just want to thank you very much. You were really a a a a, a wonderful delight to have an opportunity to, to experience you. Well, I really appreciate this discussion and I look forward to more. So thank you, Alan. Bless you. Have a wonderful day, JJ. You too. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for listening. And please catch us on the next great episode of the Mindful You podcast. And please share us with your friends and fellow travelers on the path.